Chapter Twenty Three of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three At the River. They found the ranch house as Marion and Dixie had left it, deserted. Puss told them everyone was at the river. McLeod did not approve Dixie's plan of going down to see her cousin first. "'Why not let me ride down and manage it without bringing you into it at all?' he suggested. "'It can be done.' And after further discussion it was so arranged. McLeod and Smith had been joined by dancing on horseback, and they made their way around Squaw Lake and across the fields. The fog was rolling up from the willows at the bend. Men were chopping in the brush, and McLeod and his companion soon met Lance Dunning, riding up the narrow strip of sand that held the river off the ranch. McLeod greeted Dunning, regardless of his amazement, as if he had parted from him the day before. "'How are you making it over here?' he asked. "'We're in pretty good shape at the moment down below, and I thought I'd ride over to see if we could do anything for you. This is what you call pretty fair water for this part of the valley, isn't it?' Lance swallowed his astonishment. "'This isn't water, McLeod. This is hell.' He took off his hat and wiped his forehead. "'Well, I call this white, anyway, and no mistake. I do indeed, sir. This is Whispering Smith, isn't it? Glad to see you at Crawling Stone, sir,' which served not only to surprise but to please Whispering Smith. "'Some of my men were free,' continued McLeod. "'I switched some mattresses and sacks around the Y, thinking they might come and play here for you at the bend.' They are at your service, if you think you need them. Need them! Lance swore fiercely and from the bottom of his heart. He was glad to get help from any quarter and made no bones about it. Moreover, McLeod lessened the embarrassment by explaining that he had a personal interest in holding the channel where it ran, lest a change above might threaten the approaches already built to the bridge. And, whispering Smith, who would have been on terms with the catfish if he had been flung into the middle of the crawling stone, contributed at once, like a reinforced spring, to the ease of the situation. Lance again took off his hat and wiped the sweat of anxiety from his dripping forehead. "'Whatever differences of opinion I may have with your damned company, I have no lack of esteem personally, McLeod, for you, sir, by heaven. How many men did you bring?' and whatever wheels you crawling stone ranchers may have in your heads on the subject of irrigation returned mcleod evenly i have no lack of esteem personally mr dunning for you i brought a hundred do you want to take a charge here i'm frank sir you understand this game and i don't suppose we look the situation over meantime all our supplies have to be brought across from the y what should you think, Mr. Dunning, of putting all the teams you can at that end of the work? Every man that can be spared from the river shall go at it. Come over here and look at our work and judge for yourself. They rode to where the forces assembled by Lance were throwing up embankments and rip-rapping. There was hurried running to and fro, a violent dragging about of willows, and a good deal of shouting. Dunning, with some excitement, watched McLeod's face to note the effect of the activity on him. But McLeod's expression, naturally reserved, reflected nothing of his views on the subject. Dunning waved his hand at the lively scene. "'They've been at it all night. How many would you take away, sir?' 
"'You might take them all away as far as the river is concerned,' said McLeod after a moment. "'What? Hell? All? They're not doing anything, are they, but running around in a circle? And those fellows over there might as well be making mud pies as rip-rapping at that point. What we need there is a mattress and sandbags, and plenty of them. Bill,' directed McLeod in an even tone of business as he turned to dancing, See how quick you can get your gang over here with what sacks they can carry and walk fast. If you put your men on horses, Mr. Dunning, they can help like everything. That bank won't last a great while the way the river is getting under it now. Dancing wheeled like an elephant on his bronco and clattered away through the mud. Lance Dunning, recovering from his surprise, started his men back for the wagons and McLeod, dismounting, walked with him to the water's edge to plan the fight for what was left of the strip in front of the alfalfa fields. When Whispering Smith got back to the house he was in good humor. He joined Dixie and Marion in the dining-room where they were drinking coffee. Afterward Dixie ordered horses saddled, and the three rode to the river. Up and down the bank, as far as they could see in the misty rain, men were moving slowly about more men it seemed to dixie than she had ever seen together in her life the confusion and the noise had disappeared no one appeared to hurry but every one had something to do and from the gangs who with sledges were sinking dead men among the trees to hold the cables of the mattress that was about to be sunk and the japs who were diligently preparing to float and load it to the men that were filling and wheeling the sandbags no one appeared excited McLeod joined the visitors for a few moments, and then went back to where Dancing and his men on lifelines were guiding the mattress to its resting place. In spite of the gloom of the rain, which Whispering Smith said was breaking, Dixie rode back to the house in much better spirits with her two guests, and when they came from luncheon the sun, as Smith had predicted, was shining. "'Oh, come out!' cried Dixie at the door. Marion had a letter to write and went upstairs, but Whispering Smith followed Dixie. "'Does everything you say come true?' she demanded as she stood in the sunshine. She was demure with light-heartedness, and he looked at her approvingly. "'I hope nothing I may ever say will come true unless it makes you happy,' he answered lightly. "'It would be a shame if it did anything else.' She pointed two accusing fingers at him. "'Do you know what you promised last night?' you have forgotten already you said you would tell me why my leghorns are eating their feathers off let me talk with them just what i should like come on said dixie leading the way to the chicken yard i want you to see my bantams too i have three of the dearest little things one is setting they're over the way come see them first and oh you must see my new game chickens truly you never saw anything as handsome as caesar he's the rooster and i have six pullets caesar is perfectly superb when the two reached the chicken houses dixie examined the nest where she was setting the bantam hen this miserable hen will not set she exclaimed in despair see here mr smith she's left her nest again and is scratching around on the ground isn't it a shame I've tried a cord around her leg so she couldn't run away, and she's hobbling around like a scrub pony. Perhaps the eggs are too warm, suggested her companion. I've had great success in cases like this with powdered ice, not using too much, of course. 
Just shave the ice gently and rub it over the eggs one at a time. It will often result in refreshing the attention of the hen. Dixie looked grave. Aren't you ashamed to make fun of me? Whispering Smith seemed taken aback. Is it really serious business? Of course. Very good. Let me watch this hen for a few minutes and diagnose her. You go on to your other chickens. I'll stay here and think. Dixie went down through the yards. When she came back, Whispering Smith was sitting on a cracker box, watching the bantam. The chicken was making desperate efforts to get off Dixie's cord and join its companions in the runway. Smith was eyeing the bantam critically when Dixie rejoined him. "'Do you usually?' he asked, looking suddenly up. "'Have success in setting roosters?' "'Now you are having fun with me again.' no by heavens i am not have you diagnosed the case i have and i've diagnosed it as a case of mistaken identity identity and misapplied energy miss dixie you've tied up the wrong bird this is not a bantam hen at all this is a bantam rooster now that's my judgment compare him with the others notice how much darker his plumage is it's the rooster declared whispering smith wiping the perplexity from his brow don't feel bad not at all cut him loose miss dixie don't hesitate do it on my responsibility now let's look at the cannibal leghorns and great caesar End of chapter twenty three